0: Well, good morning, Fiddles Church. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Welcome to everybody at our and location. So glad you guys are connecting today and excited about the sermon series that we are currently in. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 25. We're in a sermon series called Make It Count. And so we've been uh, starting last Sunday, we started looking at the life of Jesus and really saw him as the example. If we wanna make our life count, we don't wanna waste our life, we want it to count, we looked to his life and we saw last week that he was willing to hear the cries of the hurting. And so I said, if we want to live a life that matters and that counts in this lifetime, that we too will hear the cries of those who are hurting in our community. Jesus was willing to listen to those cries and, 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 and he was willing to actually do something about them. And so uh, we too have to be willing to listen and and uh, hear how we can help. And then finally, like Jesus, we've gotta be willing to step in and actually serve even one person. And, and so we looked at his life. When we can hear those cries, listen and allow our busy schedule to be interrupted so that we could move into ministry and serving even one person, then we'll begin to see that our life is in fact going to count. And so today I want to start by asking a a little bit different question, but definitely similar in topic. And that is this, how do you know if you're actually living a life that matters? How, How do you know that how you're living your life today is actually going to be a life that counts, that you're not in fact wasting your time? I think that's a great question to ask. And you know, I think it's a question that our, our world will answer in a few different ways. I think the world will answer that question based on what we, we, we think success is. You know, we, we think success so often is how much money we make. And so we think, man, if I want my life to count, I don't want to waste it. That means that I've got to make a lot of money and I've got to earn a big income. And so we focus on making money, but chances are, Everybody listening today is making more money today than you were 10 years ago. But you would also say that just because you're making more money than you were 10 years ago, you're not necessarily any happier than you were 10 years ago, are you? Of course not, because it doesn't impact your happiness. Chances are you're making more, but chances are you still think you need a little more. (laughs) That's just human nature. We always think we need more, The world is gonna say that success is determined by how famous you are. And so if you want your life to matter, you've gotta have a lot of followers on social media. You've gotta have a blue check mark on Twitter. You've gotta be famous. People have to know you. But every single one of us, we know coaches, teachers, mentors, uh, small group leaders, uh, parents who invested into our life who made a huge impact in our life and nobody knows who they are. And so we know that uh, being famous doesn't mean that your life counts. The world is gonna say that success is measured by getting your name in the history books. And so do something that's gonna create something that that, that people are gonna know about and and, and then your life is gonna count. Be a politician, do something to, to get your name in the history books, but again, We all know people that impacted our life who aren't going to be in any history book that we read. So where do we start? How do we begin to answer this question? And I think um, the the important thing to do is to really start with the end in mind. In fact, uh, in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about if you want your life to actually impact others around you, if you wanna make a difference, then it's important to set aside significant time to begin to think about the end of your life. In other words, start with the end in mind. Think about the end of your life. Think about how you want people to remember you by. Think about the legacy you wanna leave. Think about what you want people to say about you and to remember you as. And when you begin to get a clear picture of how you wanna be remembered, then you can, you can rewind to the present today And you can begin to put together a plan to begin to reach that destination and and that goal in your life. And so I wanna start today in our scripture by considering the end. In fact, in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the end of the world, right? So this is the end of all endings, and then we step into eternal life. And so uh, kind of a a context for this passage, uh, the disciples were asking questions about the end of the age, and they were saying, look, what what is it going to look like, Jesus? What are the signs of the end of the world? And, and, And so Jesus starts to share that, share answers with them through giving them parables and At the end of the day, I'll summarize it like this. Jesus is basically saying, there are some signs to look for, but you're never gonna know the exact day, the exact hour. You're not gonna know when it's gonna happen. It's actually gonna happen like a thief in the night. You're you're not necessarily gonna see it coming. And so his point is that we have to be ready. We have to stay ready. We have to live ready today because he could return at any moment. So live our life ready following him as if he could return today. And so in Matthew 25, verse 31, where we're gonna pick up, Jesus is talking about the final judgment, right? And so uh, a fulfillment of Daniel chapter seven, he's talking about the son of man coming in his glory. And so he's setting up the scene, the stage of the final judgment. This is the second coming of Christ. So let me give you and summarize this for you really quickly next year. We're gonna do, a sermon series on the uh, end times and what that's gonna look like. So I'm excited about that. But today, let me give you a summary. And so uh, the second coming is not to be confused with the rapture. So the rapture uh, we, we hear uh, and read about in 1 Thessalonians 4 and Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about a, a rapture moment where those who are dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are believers who are alive will be taken. Rapture means taken up. And so we'll be taken to be with Jesus in heaven. If you are alive, you'll be taken and, and, and we will uh, receive a new glorified body to be in heaven. And then the seven years of tribulation happens on earth. And so Revelation, the book of Revelation talks about this. And, and so this would be a pre-tribulation view is what I hold. And so uh, all Christians will be raptured out and then seven years of tribulation will take place. This will be a very terrible, disastrous time for the world. Thousands, uh, and even, even millions of people will die during this time because of earthquakes, uh, plagues, uh, meteorites falling from the sky. So after this seven years, then the second coming of Christ occurs. So think of it like this. The rapture is when Jesus returns for his saints, and then the second coming is when Jesus returns with his saints. And so that kind of helps us uh understand rapture being taken with him and then coming back at the final of the uh, the final time of this 7 years is where the battle of Armageddon will take place and then after that battle Jesus wins his saints uh angels win and then this scene of the final judgment takes place. And so my mentality today is to help us dial in on this passage and to say, okay, if this is what it's gonna look like, if this is what the end of the end looks like, then we can we can understand what Jesus is gonna be judging us by. And then we can come back to this day right here, present time, right now, forgetting what we what our past is like, forgetting about whatever we've done and say, okay, from this day forward, I can live with the mindset that this is what the end is gonna be. So doesn't it make sense for me, for me to reprioritize my life and, and to get things into focus? Because if that's what the end looks like, then this is what I wanna get busy with today. I wanna make my life count. So this is what Jesus says, beginning in verse 31. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, that he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations, He will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, I want to start today with big picture understanding, right from a 30,000 square foot view, like this square foot, 30,000 square, 30,000 mile view, I'll get there. As we look at this whole passage, one of the first things I think that we need to grasp is this concept. Your time is limited. Your time is limited. So as we look at the end, we see that there is going to come a judgment. There is going to come a, fin- a finality to our life. And so your time is limited. So we're called to make the most of it. Uh, And so I think with each tick of the clock, a moment of your life is behind you. And I think the great equalizer for all of us is that our time on earth is, is, is gonna end. And we hear that and we squirm a little bit and we're a little uncomfortable because we don't like to think about it or talk about it. And this could either discourage you and depress you or it could encourage you and it actually could motivate you. And that's actually what my hope is today, that we would be motivated and this understanding and this uh, reality would, would kick our tail into gear and we would start looking at 2022 with a different framework and we'd be motivated to make our life count, right? So I'm gonna ask you a question, Alex, you're on the front row. So if I was gonna give you, if I was gonna say, that I've got $5 million and I'm just gonna give it to you today just as a gift. I wanna bless you and your wife. I'm gonna give you $5 million. Would you receive that gift? Absolutely, 100%. Wise man, right? Good, good. So so Alex, but what if I were to say, I'll give you $5 million, but you're not gonna wake up tomorrow morning. Would you receive it then? Of course not. He wouldn't receive it. Now none of you would receive that. Right? You, you would welcome a $5 million gift, right? But if the criteria for that gift is you're not gonna wake up tomorrow morning, you're, you're, it's gonna cost you your life, you would say, no way, why is that? What you're saying is that tomorrow is worth more to you than $5 million. What you're really saying is there's, there's really no real price that, that we would take to say, I will take this much money if it costs my life. And the reason is because tomorrow is priceless. It is a gift from God. So why do we wake up with the mentality of, oh, I don't like the weather. Oh, I gotta go to work. Or this is terrible. And this is negative, And this is terrible. Why wouldn't we shift our perspective and say, this is a priceless gift that God has given to me. It's called today. And so often we overestimate what we're going to accomplish in 20 years and we underestimate what we could accomplish in one day. And, and so what we do is we think, oh man, I don't really, you know, I'm just going to take this day easy and I'm going to, you know, take shortcuts today. I'm not going to, you know, be disciplined today and I'm just going to do whatever I want to do today. In this whole mentality, well, one day I'm gonna do this big thing. One day I'm gonna own a company. One day I'm gonna make this much money. One day I'm gonna have this. One of these days, one of these days, one of these days. And we're we're overestimating what we're gonna accomplish in our life in 10 years or whatever many years. And we forget that that only happens if we are disciplined in the small things that we do today. That we take advantage of the gift that God has given to us, another day to live and breathe another day to serve him, another day to love our wife, another day to go to work and work our tail off and enjoy working hard for the Lord, right? Because it's in the disciplines that we accomplish and do every single day, reading the word of God, prayer, striving for a healthy relationship with our spouse, striving for a healthy relationship with the Lord. That is in those small moments and small decisions that we make every single day, compounded over days and weeks and months that lead to some of these ultimate goals that we dream of having one day. Every day is a gift from God. So our time is limited. I love what David says in Psalm 90. He says, "Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should." You know, when we read the word, it really should should like turn into a prayer. And this is one of those moments, right? We read this and it should turn into a prayer. Like, God, teach me to number my days. Help me to recognize that my time here is, is short. Help me to spend this time as I, I, I should and, and, and the way that you're calling me to. And we get to this point to where we begin to recognize that our time is limited. So we've got to make the most of it. We don't want to waste our life. Then in verse 46, he says, these will go to uh, eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So uh, another huge point that he's teaching us here is that everybody will live forever somewhere. Now, if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard me say this. This is one of those life principles that we all have to understand and learn that everybody is gonna live forever somewhere. He says there are some people that are gonna live eternally separated in eternal punishment, and then there are those who will live in and with eternal life. And so several things that we learn in this passage that help us understand that, that this life will go on forever. He says, this is the final judgment and it's gonna bring joy to true believers. In verse 34, he says, the king will say to those on his right, those who are true believers, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Right, and so this is gonna be a joyous day. So we don't have to fear the final judgment. We look to Jesus on this day and he will be a father, a friend, a shepherd, right? So this doesn't, and doesn't need to scare us. This needs to encourage us that this is what this ending will finally look like. It will bring true joy to believers. But the final judgment will be confusing to unbelievers. In this moment, they will say, Lord, when did we not see you? And the mentality for those who are unrighteous is that, oh, if I had known it was the king, I would have served him. You know people like this. Maybe we have been people like this. We serve only when we know we're gonna get recognized. We serve only when the boss is looking. We serve only when we know we're gonna get a tax deduction. We give and we serve because of the the popularity or what it might bring to us, the attention it might give to us, but that is not true generosity. It is not true service. It is selfish, and it is putting ourselves first in that moment. It's not generosity. It's selfishness disguised as concern. And, And then we also learn here that the final judgment will have Jesus as the judge, Right, And so the son of man comes in his glory with all the angels and he will sit on his glorious throne. The throne is this, this seat of judgment. The first time that Jesus comes, he came as a baby in a manger. We celebrate it in this season of Christmas and he came to save the world. The second coming of Jesus, he will have fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. He will be coming to judge the world. So we've gotta be prepared and we have to be ready. The final judgment will have Jesus as the judge. He will divide us into two groups, those who have faith in Jesus and those who do not. And the way in which he knows that that faith is real, in other words, the criteria for how he judges us in that moment is the evidence of our faith. The, the, the ministry that we have done outside of that faith, we have faith in Jesus And that faith is exercised through our ministry, how we lived our life. He's not gonna judge you based on the narrative that you've created and the persona that you've created, the platform that you've generated on social media. Like he's not looking at what you are presenting to the world. He knows everything that we are doing. He knows our motivations. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. And so our life is the evidence of that faith. And so his decision on that day is based on our faith and the evidence of that faith. So this is what the end looks like. We know we're not saved by our works, but we know that our faith in Christ is then evidenced by the work and the ministry that we actually do, right? So this is the ending. This is what the final judgment is gonna look like. So let's back up today and let's start preparing for the end. Let's start preparing for that day. That's the day that matters. As a pastor, I have a front row seat, oftentimes to people who are about to die. You know, I've, I've been, even my own mother, she was, she was given six months to live. I've been in in, in, in hospital rooms. I've been in homes where, where people um, are, are sent into hospice and they know that this is it. And you know, nobody cares about social media. Nobody cares about you know, accolades, nobody cares in that situation about how much stuff they have. They care about Jesus, they care about spiritual things. They want people to pray with them, they wanna read their Bible, and they want their family close to them. If that's what the end looks like, if, if, if what we've read today is what the end looks like, then, then why would we allow the enemy to get us so distracted on so many different things? that mean nothing to us at the end of the day. So that's the temptation that we constantly have to fight. That's the biggest battle that you're in right now. That's the biggest uh, battle that every single one of us are facing. And and when Jesus is saying that, that your faith is gonna be evidenced by the ministry that you've had, he breaks it down into six areas. And so in six different areas, he begins to unpack what this ministry actually looks like. In verse 40, he says, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Now, specifically when he says, when you did it to one of these brothers, what he's saying is a fellow believer. He's not talking about his physical brother, like his, his half brother, James, he's talking about uh, believers. And so as a church, what we're saying is like, when we are serving each other, he's saying when you are ministering to the needs of, of each other and, 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 and to uh, believers all around the world, when you're doing it to one of the least of your brothers or sisters in Christ, you are doing it unto me. Now, of course, we're to serve those who aren't believers. That's, that's part of what our calling is. But in this passage, he's specifically saying how we are serving each other, how we are ministering to the needs of one another. And so his judgment's not based on what you said. It's gonna be based on what you did. It's not just what you professed. It's what you actually practiced. Verse 27, the believers, his brothers, are saying, Hey, when did we see you do this? The, the righteous didn't know it was the king. The righteous didn't know they were serving him. They didn't know how significant that moment mattered. But Jesus is making it clear when you serve one of your brothers or sisters, it is like you are serving the king himself. And so I'll say it like this His judgment doesn't depend on the knowledge, fame, or money we have gained, but on the help that we have given. Now the world is gonna say, hey, you need more knowledge, go to school, get your education, 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 read books, get information, more information. Jesus says it's not about the knowledge you gain, the world is gonna say, get famous and, and be famous and get people looking at you so that you can you know, have attention and, 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 and get people to love you. And Jesus is like, it's not about being famous. It's about making me famous. The world is gonna say, gain more money because more, more money means more stuff and, and more power. And you're gonna have you know, cool things and fun things and look at what you get to do. And Jesus says, it's not about the money you gained. It's about the people that you've given to. It's the people that you've served. It's the people that you've actually helped. And so if we want like a good definition for what it means to make your life count, put it to you like this. Making your life count means simply it's about caring for the needs of others. You wanna ensure that on the final judgment, that last day, you get the, hey, come on in, right? Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Then what? is valuable and important for every single one of us is that we are about, first and foremost, faith in Jesus, and then allowing that faith in Jesus to lead us to care about the needs of others that would lead us into action. And the six areas of ministry that Jesus creates and shows us here are needs that are true for every generation, no matter where you live, across the world, what color of skin, how rich or poor you are, every single person in the world um, has these six basic needs. And so when we talk about make it count MIC is is the acronym and so we want to multiply we want to improve and we want to create create what well we want to create ministries and so we use this passage of scripture to talk about creating ministries under the guise of these six basic needs right and and, and as a pastor my job uh, Ephesians 4 is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry right and so uh, doing that, um, Acts two says, for for me, I've got to be uh, focused on prayer and the ministry of the world. So, uh, ministry of the word. And so, when I'm preaching, I'm equipping you. That's my that's my primary ministry. But also, as the lead pastor of this church, working with the pastors and staff of the church, we're here to create opportunities, create structure and ministries, so that we as a church can be involved in the and be the actual hands and feet of Jesus to the cities and communities around us and even to the ends of the earth. And so we've been building this out for several years. And so today I wanna update you on the vision. I wanna share some new things that uh, are happening and cast a little vision uh, for 2022. And so let's look at these six areas. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me food. According to the USDA's latest household food insecurity in the United States report, more than 35 million people in the United States struggled with hunger in 2019. It's estimated that in 2020, because of the pandemic, it could be upwards of 50 million people. We actually don't even know yet. And so even in America, there are individuals all across the country who are struggling with hunger. And so how do we as a church and how do we as a community of believers, how do we fight against those needs in our cities and communities? Well, one of the many things that we do is we uh, partner with Second Harvest Food Bank. And you, you guys have been a part of the various food drives that we've done throughout the years. And, and uh, we, we take that serious. And so this is not just, oh, honey, get our kids to go buy a couple of cans of soup and, and make them feel good about themselves. No, we are actually creating and building and and, and donating thousands of pounds of food for for the people in our communities, and our cities that need help, that need actual food. And so this is a huge way for us to serve those who are hungry and needy in our community. We've got small groups who have adopted Second Harvest Food Bank as their ministry. And so they go there every four to six weeks and they just go there and volunteer serve there for an hour, two hours to help out with the various needs that they might have there. You can do that as well. We're part of a program we call Food for Kids. And so what we do as a church is we buy hundreds of pounds of food and then small groups come in and volunteers come in and they divvy up and separate all the food, put it into individual bags and then we ship it off to uh, local schools in the community with kids with needs. And so they get fed at school all week but then when they go home for the weekend, they may not have that food when they're identified Boom, right there, food for kids. We supply that food for them throughout the weekend. If you're a part of FC, you've been doing that, right? And so these are simple ways that we are feeding those who are hungry in our community. Jesus said, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. According to the global disease study, unsafe water is responsible for 1.2 million people a year and their death. 1.2 million people die from unsafe water all across the world. Globally, one in four people do not have access to clean water. Now, we think in the United States, oh man, there's clean water everywhere, right? They, we've got it. And, and, and yes, however, as a Southern Baptist Church, we have something that we're a part of called Sin Relief. And the Global Disaster uh, Relief Ministry of the SBC is something that we've been a part of. And we wanna encourage you, if it's something that you can actually volunteer in to to look into this and and, and, and use your gifts and talents and skills to be able to help. But every time there's a natural disaster in the country, there's hurricanes, there's tornadoes, all these things happening, you're not gonna see this on the news, but Southern Baptist churches are the first responders every single time because of the network that we have together. And so what what are the number one needs in every natural disaster? People need clean water. All of a sudden, water supply is gone. And so, boom, there we are, serving, handing out clean water to those who are thirsty. A simple way, but a powerful way that we are doing this, and we wanna encourage you to be a part of this as well. One of the updates in this area is that, we've just been praying about, okay, we do this. What else can we do? I just knew there was more that that we could do. And so as we prayed about this, um, we were excited to, Uh, have some folks just start coming to our church, Mark and Judy Reynolds, and they are actually a part of a ministry that goes to Central America, identifies these communities with unsafe water, and they actually build water wells and in the name of Jesus, bless people, encourage people at the same time. And so uh, as a church, we're gonna begin to partner with them, excited about how we're gonna be able to impact countries and people in those areas with clean water, very easy and simple way to meet a a basic need of humanity in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. As a church, I hope you know that our heartbeat is that we believe you belong here. And so our guest services team, whether on Wednesday nights with students or here on Sunday mornings, truly embody that belief. And so no matter who you are or where you've come from, that team is gonna make you uh, feel welcome. We're going to do everything we can to meet your needs. And our journey team, who then will help you get connected through our our, our our journey classes and into a small group so that you can be discipled. These are great ways for you to meet this need. And another area of ministry that falls under this category is our orphan care ministry. And so uh, many of you know that uh, Governor Lee, the governor of Tennessee, has asked us to be a champion church for uh, this region you know, as far as a foster care initiative. And so partnering with him and others in the state, we wanna see um, our, our our processes and systems not only get better, but we need more people involved to be able to care for the needs of these strangers who happen to be children who need a home. And a lot of these kids end up being adopted and there's so many needs as I mentioned last week, but we're a church that's gonna host and has been hosting foster care training. Uh, We've been uh, ministering to the DCS workers in our area and and, uh, all kinds of ways that you can be a part of that kind of ministry. We're also a part of ministries that are eliminating and fighting against sex trafficking in Tennessee. This is a huge, huge problem in our area. And as a church, we wanna rally around those who are on the front lines, whether we're giving resources or we're giving volunteers, we wanna continue that initiative. We're also sending teams to uh, Refugee Center in right outside of the, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, I sent a team there earlier this year. And so some of these refugees that are seeking asylum from various countries all over the world, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention has really connected with this uh, community. And, and we have ways to be able to minister to those needs and build relationships. And so some of you feel called to maybe um, Maybe those who are from other countries and, and you maybe don't wanna go overseas, well, this is an opportunity that you could take advantage of. You could drive three hours down the road and minister to people all over the world. Jesus said, I was naked and you clothed me. So how are we accomplishing this? What are we doing? And I've been encouraging you guys instead of having garage sales and making $300 and wasting your Saturday morning and fighting with your spouse all morning and arguing over a $5 purchase, just to give your clothes away to CARM, Knox Area Rescue Ministries. And when you give those clothes away or whatever donations, you know, furniture, anything else that they take, you say you're from Foothills Church, they've got a program with us where they kind of, they, they, they take in what you've given, what it's valued as, and then they give us gift cards to CARM so that when a, someone who is in need comes and says, hey, we just need some clothes for the kids, or I need this or that, we can give them a gift card. And, and we meet uh, that need to clothe them or, help them in that way. We're doing that as well as when we do pack the bus and we're giving backpacks away to kids and filled with supplies. We're helping communities in Knox County and Blount County. And, and uh, these are just some of the ways that we're ministering in that area. And then Jesus said, I was sick and you visited me. Uh, our deacon ministry is, is tasked with the care side of that. And so if someone's sick in the hospital, something's going on, our deacon ministry with ladies and men serving and caring for those needs. If you're in a small group or you are a small group leader, you're able to accomplish this just by loving on each other in those times of need and and, and, and in those times of care. So incredible opportunities for us. We think about sickness. We often talk about physical sickness, but what about mental health issues? And so last Sunday, I talked about how in, in 2022, our goal, part of this vision offering, is going to be set aside so that we can pursue land to, to, to where we can purchase land, build a parking lot, but most importantly, build a counseling center to help with the mental needs that we have in this community. And I think it would be an incredible, incredible um, ministry to this city that would last a lifetime. I'm excited about that. And, I see so many needs, and, and so we're, we're praying through how God would use us in that area. Jesus said, finally, sixthly, I was in prison and you visited me. So right now, you know, when we began this conversation, COVID was still a thing, and we weren't able to get into prisons, and so we kind of hit a lot of um, uh, roadblocks, but uh, it, there has been a ministry that has recently opened up to us. And so this is a ministry where uh, when men and women come out of prison, you know, everybody has different needs and different situations. And so we come alongside of those uh, who are coming out to be able to mentor them and help them in the specific ways that they need encouragement. And so that's an area that you could get involved in. Uh, ultimate goal, I would love as a church, if we could say, Beard, we're glad that you're here. Maryville, we're glad you're here. Uh, whatever city, we're glad you're connecting. And then whatever prison um, that we could get into, We would love to be able to actually start a church in a prison and what better way to say I was in prison and you visited me every single week by sending volunteers and leading us in worship and then teaching us how to live for Jesus. That would be an ultimate goal for me. So this is creating ministries, right? We're never gonna stop this, but these are ways in which I wanted to update you. Next Sunday, We're gonna have representatives from a lot of these different ministries here in the atrium. And so come back next Sunday. If you're on, if you're out of town, you're watching online, come back next Sunday, either Bearden or here in Maryville and in the atrium at both locations, lots of different people here. Uh, Obviously I can't share everything because there's so much happening, but I wanted to highlight a few to you this morning and encourage you to come back to get more information. You can also go to our website, Website has everything outlined there. And as you look at some of these things, maybe your heart's gonna beat a little bit faster, you know, because that's something that you are in fact passionate about and wanna step into. I don't think that in the end, Jesus is gonna say, Trent, you know, you didn't do this or this or this or this on the list, right, every day. But it's gonna be one of these two things that captivate us that we give the majority of our energy and focus on. And I think that is the important thing to understand. And so creating ministries, but the I in Make It Count stands for improved location. So you know that through the video this morning, you saw the update, we did it. We've, been, we've invested financially. We were able to improve our location and it has been an incredible, incredible blessing. Our uh, baby rooms, our Kids rooms are packed and it's been awesome. It's been incredible for our staff to actually have offices and it's helped us bond together and interact on a regular basis, base camp, Camp two classrooms are incredible. Counseling rooms are being used every single week. It's been um, incredible. Uh, we did uh, create the studio and wellness center. They haven't been outfitted yet. And so b- budget reasons, we are going to do that in the near future, but a studio being the place where we're actually, as we continue to write music, uh, we want to be able to record that, use that uh, for our church as a as a ministry and way just to even reach outside the walls of this church for ministry. And then the wellness center people gave us some uh, donated some equipment, which was great. But hopefully in the next uh, month or two, we're going to be able to outfit that with more equipment. And yes, for partners, that is open because we care about not just spiritual health but physical health as well. And those who may not be able to, you know, get a membership at a local gym or whatever. Uh, We'll be able to use this uh, through the week during office hours. And of course our staff as well, which I think is a incredible, great, great investment. So improving location has happened. We are continuing that and moving forward in 2022, improving this location means land parking counseling center. I believe that's the direction that God is moving us to, to improve. And then lastly today, as we wrap up, We talk about multiply locations. And so by the grace of God, we have done it. Bearden, you are alive and well, you're existing. And that is a great, great thing. And we're so excited about all the volunteers and all the people God is drawing together in that location. And we know that the next step for Bearden is that we would find a physical location. So we're praying about that part of our vision offering as we give We'll go towards that endeavor. We know that's going to be a huge step. We know that, you know, Bearden is, is is what we focus on this year. But as they grow and as they get established, that's we don't want to stop. We want to go to another city so we can have another location. And you might be new to FC and say, "Man, why would you guys do that?" Like there are enough churches, and we would say there are never enough healthy churches. Ever, ever, ever. Jesus created the church establish the church as the hope of the world to make disciples of all nations and to accomplish the ministries that we're talking about today. So yes, we need more healthy churches. Yes, we need uh, more people coming together, doing ministry, making disciples, worshiping together as a community of believers. And so our goal, our heartbeat is that we would continue to move forward with multiplying as a church Jesus says, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So we're gonna continue to make it count as a church. And we wanna offer all of these opportunities for you to get involved and to serve and allow the Holy Spirit of God to use you in incredible, incredible ways and be able to experience the blessing of what not only that will look like at the end of time, but how God will bless you right here and right now. And so as we close today, I just wanna encourage you. Maybe the first step for you is give your life to Jesus because you've not done that. As you look at the end, you might say, man, man, I I don't even have faith in Jesus. So like that's step one. And I wanna encourage you to go to our prayer and care room today and just walk in there and say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. And they will help you. They will guide you, pray with you, encourage you. Others of you might say, yeah, yeah, I've already given my life to Jesus, but, but I'm looking for that next step. And, and that might be one of our journey classes. That might be actually serving in some capacity here. We want you to make your life count and you can do that here at FC. And finally, I wanna encourage everybody who calls FC their home. She would begin to consider how you might give to the vision offering, because obviously like we can put the ball in the tee, Like if you're a golfer, you get this, like I can put the ball on the tee. That's what I want to do. But only you and what we give will determine how far we can drive that sucker. Uh, You can fuel the vision. I can cast it, but together we fuel it. And so this vision offering is going to show us and tell us how far we can go, what what we can create to be able to minister to the people in our cities and and communities. And so, so whatever God would lead you to give, I want to encourage you to ask him and this is a one time gift, but it's also an ongoing commitment to give. And we've got two more weeks. So I want to encourage you to be here, be plugged in, be praying through this. And God will use every single one of us in incredible ways if we are willing to allow Him to. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now, and there are some who may be wasting their life today. And so, Lord, I pray that you would get a hold of their heart, you would get a hold of their mind you would get a hold of their thoughts. Lord, help every single one of us to reprioritize and reorganize our life to be able to get in line with your will. To be able to do the things that you are calling us to do. And so, Lord, as we've shared your word as we as we talk about all the different ways we can serve and we can help, I pray that every single one of us would latch onto something, some area and sense a calling and a direction, God, that you are giving to each of us. Lord, we love you. We want to give our entire life to you. We want to serve you. And so tell us what our next step is and give us the courage to do it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.